Welcome back to another episode of Vicarious Resilience, where you can learn specific skills to help you face difficult struggles or just daily life. I'm your host, Danette Honish. I'm a registered clinical counselor, and I've been fortunate enough to have someone join me for today's episode. My guest is a vice principal in Surrey. He brings an honest, real-life story. I'd like to thank Travis McKenzie for sharing his story, for openly talking about his experiences and the things he found helpful. See if you can identify how many skills, attitudes, and techniques that Travis used to help him get through. Here we go. Part of my promise with these podcasts, I wanted to interview people who have gone through adversity and come out the other side. Uh, I want to hear about their experiences, and I want to hear about the specific skills that they used in order to overcome the the things that they were going through. So the first person that I'm going to interview is uh, my friend, Travis McKenzie. Uh, Travis is a vice principal in Surrey, and um, he, has, uh, he has a story to tell, and I think it's important to hear it. Um, Travis, why don't you start by just talking about what happened when you were 17. Uh, when I was 17, uh, I was uh, diagnosed uh, with cancer. And the, I guess the most fascinating component about it is just the speed of which all of that unfolded for me at that time. Um, I had just finished um, winning a uh, provincial high school football uh, championship game and then four days later I noticed some significant pain um, and then on a Thursday morning uh, the pain was so severe that uh, I made the best decision I ever could have made and went to a doctor and by that afternoon or that evening uh, I had a diagnosis and further to that, uh, I was going to be having surgery to remove the cancer uh, the following Monday. So needless to say, I really didn't have a whole lot of time to process what was actually going on. I was more concerned about how my family was reacting uh, just out of the sheer shock of, of what had unfolded. Um, luckily, um, the surgery was a success. And thankfully, it did not result in me further uh, in any further treatment uh, at that time. It just consisted of um, very intense regular uh, checkups with my specialist over a period of 10 years. Um, and thankfully, uh, at the end of that 10th year, I was deemed uh, cured of that particular uh, type of cancer. Um, and forever grateful, of course, to the medical team that helped me, uh, along the way. And I, and I sincerely, uh, appreciated, uh, all the, you know, the love and support that I was given, you know, by my medical team and obviously by my family throughout that entire process. Um, ironically, um, years later. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer for a second time and the second time was completely different because what I had to lose was completely different than what I had to lose the first time. 
because now I was out of state second time where I had a wife and I had two beautiful girls and I had pretty much everything that I ever was hoping for. And now uh, I've been diagnosed with a, a particular type that was even more aggressive than the first one, totally unrelated and extremely rare. So there wasn't exactly a clear plan in place from the beginning, which um, obviously was very concerning. But ultimately, um, you know, you put in the trust of your medical team to come up with a plan to, for lack of a better word, fix the problem. And thankfully, on the cancer side of things, uh, I'm in year three of remission. So not cured, but in remission. So we're currently, you know, counting our lucky stars that it continues to stay away. Um, the difficult part about um, the second bout was the real trial and error of trying to fix my left leg, which is where they found the cancer. Um, it took 10 surgeries, for lack of a better word, to get it right, where it was actually a functional mechanism. Um, thankfully it is at a point where I'm able to use my leg, um, within reason. It's kind of a new normal, uh, but it's better than having no leg at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, when it comes to, I don't know, uh, understanding or hearing uh, my experiences and thinking about what worked for me to cope uh, with those experiences, um, I think one of the the most important strategies that I certainly used was to um, ironically have a bit of a sense of humor with the whole situation uh, in both cases uh, and be mindful of the fact that um, I had things to live for. And having that hope and belief in my medical team that they were going to allow me to continue to live life. So um, the combination how, of good. How did you, how did you find your sense of humor during that time? Um, I think the first time I found my sense of humor because my family was just so unglued so quickly about what was going on that I, being a 17 year old kid with a bit of an attitude and swag, I just kind of laughed at them. <laughs> <laughs> but right, yeah. But also because um, I also knew, ironically, I also knew who I was at that time, that I knew I wasn't going to give up, that I had so much to live for. I was so young. And I kind of basically arrogantly, I guess you could say, said to myself, this isn't taking me down. And with that came a lot of humor, basically saying, like, I respect what it is, but it, it's not going to be me, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and luckily... Uh, that turned out to be the case uh, in that situation. But also being 17 and thinking you're bulletproof, ironically, that kind of helped. Yeah, uh, for sure. But at the same time, um, humor, you know, life is supposed to be fun. And life is supposed to be enjoyable. And life is supposed to have a lot of laughter. And I've luckily had a lot of laughter in my life, good and bad. But at the end of the day, I think humor uh, really soothes the soul, personally. Um, the second bout was a little different because, um, it was a longer process, but the humor stayed consistent because frankly, it just got so ridiculous how many surgeries I had to have and how well 
got to know the surgical staff and the nurses and you know the the janitorial staff and the food staff it was like i was i was like part of the family not in exactly the kind of way i would have preferred but right. after a while you just you do have to laugh about it because in one way people are going through a lot worse than i am or that i was and secondly i still had my family i st- i was still alive i still had my leg even though i wasn't quite sure how well it was going to work yeah um and frankly i wasn't dead and uh what really helped was that all of my um complications afterwards um just a sec sweetheart uh part of the complications afterwards was more to do with the reconstruction of the leg not the cancer so that really helped me but that's why i giggle about it because it is kind of ironic because most people would hear that story and think oh it's the cancer piece actually it's not it's the reconstructive piece so that yeah that i can live with the cancer so it sounds like the 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 humor kind of helped you feel alive it helped you remind yourself that, hey, man, I'm still here. I, I got this. I, I'm, right. I'm moving forward here. That's exactly it. And I can laugh. I can play, you know, in my mind at least. And I can still laugh at jokes and laugh at shows that I was having to watch. I was cooped up in a hospital bed for months. And, you know, humor and hope and just feeling alive, whatever that might look like. That's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping a positive outlook. Um, I mean, you've like, I've, I've known you for a few years now and there was a little gap there in the middle. Um, but, uh, you're supposed to laugh at that. That was a joke. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've known you for a few years now. And I'm one thing that always has come across is you consistently have a positive outlook. You're always like, okay, we're moving forward. We're moving on. And uh, is that something that you found that you relied on or is that something you found afterwards? Uh, I think I've always been like that. Um, I'm not much of a sit and dwell on the past kind of thing. I respect the past. I appreciate the past. I love my past. Uh, I've learned from my past. But I think life is too short. And at a moment's notice, um, what you think life looks like can completely change on a dime. Um, and that's happened to me a few times, obviously. So, uh, it's more about just an appreciation for life, uh, an appreciation for who you have and what you have in your life and not dwelling on the things that you really can't take back or control for that matter. Right. Uh, just appreciate where you are and what you have and wake up every day and just try and live the day to its fullest regardless okay. of what um, yeah so uh staying in the now uh you can't can't change the past and no. the future is you you might think you can predict it but in reality you can't you really only have what's happening right now that's right and i think for the past for me is that you learn from your past you learn from your mistakes you learn things that you did well and how you would do differently. I think that's just part of natural reflection. The present, you just enjoy. And the future, it's always good to wonder how things are going to turn out, where you want to go, what you want to see, what you want to do. Those are those are good things to think about. 
Um, it's just always for me being respectful of the fact that it, it's not in stone and it, um, it needs to be, it needs to be understood that, uh, life, uh, is what it is and you appreciate it. Before the interview, when we were, uh, or before I started recording, we were chatting and one of the things that you talked about was, um, that even though you didn't know what the plan was. You went to your oncologist and uh, the oncologist at the time said, you know what, I don't know right now, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to get back to you with a plan. And so how did, how did that feel? Did that, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about that. Um, my first reaction is I was, I was a little surprised he told that to me but I was also respectful of the fact that he was honest so and that I could trust him right away um that was the longest week of my life probably because not knowing exactly how it's gonna turn out it's pretty spooky but um so you kind of um throw your chips into one basket hopefully that he's gonna have answers for you the next time he sees me and I saw him a week later and he did have a plan. He did have answers. He, he, he kept to his word and, you know, I'm forever grateful for that because it did nothing but just allow me to trust him completely. Um, and it also made him human. I mean, we, we put such an onus on our medical system because they play, they can play the role of God for a lack yeah. of a word. And, um, it just allowed me to make me feel humble. Yeah, because he was humble and I am forever grateful for him to, to do that for me. All right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and having, having a path gives you an idea of the direction that it's going to go. Even if it doesn't go that way, it at least gives you an idea that, okay, there's like, there's some thought that's gone into this and, uh, we have some ideas on how we're going to move forward. Yep. I think, uh, I think anybody or most people would be okay with the fact that at least there's a plan in place of some kind. Um, even people who, you know, consider themselves free spirits something has some kind of path or some kind of goal or objective gives me at least um, clarity as to why I was hopeful because I had a plan. Right. And, you know, you just pray that the plan works out. And so far, so far it has. All right. Um, And then, we're all extremely glad for that. Um, Thank you. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so again, just when we were chatting before the interview, um, you said one really interesting thing and, and it was back when you were 17 and uh, you said that one of the things that you thought was when you stare death in the face, you just think, bring it on. And for me, that came from sports. That's right. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, well, I, I've been a, you know, uh, an athlete my whole life. And, um, you know, when I was younger, a high-level athlete in multiple sports. And so I was very accustomed to playing in stressful situations where we would be facing, you know, different teams or individual players that were, you know, professionally bound and you had to play your best to try and have a chance to win. And, you know, that's something I'm forever grateful for in sport is just having that sense of a a team aspect, but also personal drive to not be beat, essentially. Uh, It's just my competitive nature uh, in me. It's subsided over the years as I don't play competitive sports anymore, but it's always ingrained in me. Um, and what I found very helpful was I, I took that, you know, that skill of being competitive, um, to tackle something that quite frankly, nobody that young should be tackling or even younger for that matter should be tackling, but it happened. And I found that I, I took my experiences in sports and you know just face another challenge is what i saw it as head on and sometimes you win sometimes you lose but you know luckily in my experience anyway i had won more than i lost so in that particular case there losing just really wasn't an option <laughs> for me yeah. at the time uh and even now it's it's not an option if i'm going to lose it's going to be because i had no other games left to play and um i found it extremely helpful in terms of you know like you said facing death in the face and saying all right that's what you're going to throw at me let's go uh it's no different than facing a, a pitcher i would have pitchers throwing major league levels at me and i'd say okay i'm gonna hit you so let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I think uh, that is a great place to wrap it up, actually. Uh, just on that quote that when death stares you on the, in the face, you just say, bring it on. Let's go. Yep. And uh, and you just move, you move forward because you have no other choice. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So. uh I am so grateful for you for sharing your story with me and, uh, and feel really honored that you've uh, agreed to do this. Um, and I really am hoping that, um, when other people hear this, that they take from your story and that they're, they're able to find some of that grit within themselves and, uh, and keep that, the positive attitude, the positive outlook that, uh, that you face life with. And, um, and are able to apply that to move forward. So, I hope so too. Yeah, right. so thank you. Thank you very much, Travis. You're very welcome. Okay, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.